Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Daigle Bites ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. Hey, y'all. Welcome to the Daigle Bites podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Daigle. I'm a singer that hails from the deep swamps of Louisiana. I ventured my way up to Nashville to take the risk of jumping in on the pipe dream of singing on stages other than the ones I grew up seeing. Along this journey, I wrote a song called You Say, and what came next absolutely changed my life. I found myself in tour buses, singing on stages all over the world, and every single night I would get asked the question, what would Lauren Daigle be doing if she hadn't pursued music? Well, this season of Daigle Bites is answering just that, and I'm bringing you along with me on this adventure. I'm inviting new friends that I've just met and old friends that I've known for a long time to come and explore what it is like to pursue their passions. I know that they've inspired me, and I'm sure that they will probably do the exact same thing for you. So my absolute hope is that as you're sitting and you're listening, you then too can be inspired. You then too can ask the question, what is it that I would love to do with my life? And maybe along the way, you'll find steps to making that happen. So pull up a seat. Join us in the conversation. You have a place here. This is the Dago Bites podcast on Amazon Music. Welcome to the Daigle Bites podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Daigle, and today we have a guest that is out of this world. Station, this is Houston. Are you ready for the event? Station, this is Lauren Daigle with Daigle Bites podcast. How do you hear me? Pun very much intended. I remember a couple years ago, we received a phone call. Somebody wanted us to come tour NASA, and I was like, wow, yes, absolutely. Let's go to Houston. This is amazing. We got to see Mission Control. We got to ride on a rover. And in the process of being at NASA, I got to meet this man. He's an astronaut by the name of Shane Kimbrough. About two years prior to that interaction, I prayed. I said, God, please help me make music that is beyond this world, that goes out into the universe. And I was just... I was honestly meaning, like, let it just be music that reaches beyond places I've ever been. That was kind of my vernacular as I was praying that prayer. Well, the irony is that it actually went out of this world because people would send them the record all the way up to space. I'm like, what in the world? God will take your prayer and, and extend it millions of miles, okay? <laughs> well, today, we're actually talking with Shane from the space station. I'm like, I can't even get my FaceTime to connect to my friend down the road, much less literally off of the planet. This is insane. Here's the thing about Shane. He was selected by NASA in 2004. He completed his first space flight in 2008 on STS-126, where he spent almost 16 days on the mission to expand the crew living quarters to accommodate a six-member crew. Shane Kimbrough was also in the military, and he is a veteran for our nation. And now he's an astronaut. He is so kind. The irony is that he spends thousands of hours outside of the Earth, yet he is so down to Earth. We're going to talk about Shane's favorite view of the Earth. And then we have something special at the very end that I honestly did not expect. He asked me a question that afforded me a beautiful opportunity that I will treasure in my heart probably until the day I die. I'm not going to lie. The second we hung up the phone, I started weeping. (laughs) So to get to interview 
astronaut Shane Kimbrough. I am so, so delighted and so honored. And I hope you enjoy this episode that is literally from outer space. Here we go. Station, this is Houston. Are you ready for the event? I'm ready for the event. Lauren Daigle, this is Mission Control Houston. Please call Station for a voice check. Station, this is Lauren Daigle with Daigle Bites Podcast. How do you hear me? Hey, Lauren. I have you loud and clear. Awesome. Oh, my gosh, Shane. This is blowing my mind right now. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. How are you up there? We're doing great. We're uh, almost five months into our mission now. Got about a month and a half to go, and uh, we're doing really great. A lot of great science. Uh, We've done some spacewalks and uh, just having a great time together as a crew. Wow. Hey, for all the listeners joining us today, we have Shane Kimbrough on the line, and he is in outer space as we speak. Um, I'm currently watching him in his... uh, spacecraft. I am so excited to talk with you today, Shane. And you you mentioned the word spacewalk. I have a question for you. Can you explain to everyone listening exactly what a spacewalk is? I think that was one of the most fascinating things I learned about when I visited NASA. Yeah, spacewalks don't happen very often, but it's a time when we send two people outside at a time to go do work outside. So sometimes it's installing new equipment. Sometimes it's going to repair things that have broken. Uh, this On this mission, our mission, we've had four spacewalks. Um, I've got the chance to go outside three of those four. And what we did on this, this mission was to install some oh new solar God. arrays. So these big, massive solar arrays on the outside of the space station. Um, Thomas Pesquet, French astronaut, and I got the chance to go outside and install two brand new ones, which are much smaller and more powerful. But it's really great knowing you're impacting you know, the overall life of the space station. Wow. That is fascinating. I remember... Uh, learning about how time works there. So it says that you've you've logged 39 hours outside of the space station on these spacewalks. But what what does that mean for time back here on the Earth? Yeah, so the, the time is uh, it's very similar. Um, we just run a different time zone. We're on Greenwich Mean Time. So think of it as the time it is in London. Um, that's pretty much the time we're on. So, uh, But spacewalk time is is just the normal hour time. Um, 39 hours was what I had prior to this mission. So you add about, I don't know, 18 or 19 or 20 more um, based on this mission. And I'm up to, you know, in the 50s, I think, on time wow. for spacewalks. Oh, my gosh. That is so fascinating. Um, what are you seeing right now? What's your view? Well, right now um, I'm in the Columbus module, which is the European module on the space station, and I'm facing the Japanese module. So that's kind of what I'm looking at as I'm talking to you. Uh, we're flying, you know, really fast around the Earth, about 17,500 miles an hour all the time, which is about five miles a second. It's another way to think of that. And uh, we get around the Earth every 90 minutes. What? So it's pretty special when we get to look out the window and see that. What, when you look out the window, what is your favorite view of the Earth? What, as, as you've seen probably all of it at this point, I'd imagine, what's your favorite view? Yeah, we've been really blessed on this mission to see several auroras, and they are um, stunning. Everyone's different, uh, but we've had some um, that were just unbelievable. We actually 
you know, it appeared that we were flying right through them and uh, the green gases were just absolutely stunning. So that, that's been my favorite view. Um, things on planet Earth, um, everything is just strikingly beautiful, whether you're looking at a desert or mountains or the Bahamas. I mean, everything has their own beauty and distinct beauty. And it's really cool to see it from, from this perspective. What is the wear and tear like on your body when you are up there and you're going 17,000 miles an hour? That's unbelievable to me. I think I, I rode a bullet train once in China and it was about 400 miles an hour and it was fast. I can't imagine 17,000 miles an hour. Yeah, it's all relative though. I mean, we don't feel like we're going that fast, of course. Um, it's, you know, it's similar to like being on an airplane. Uh, but the wear and tear on your body, getting to your question, yes, space is not really great on your body. It does tear yeah. it up. Um, it it deter deteriorates your bones and your muscles. So we have to combat that by doing about two, two hours of exercise every day, about an hour of cardio and an hour of resistive exercise on a machine um, that's equivalent to weightlifting. So by doing that, uh, most of us now come back after six months, six, seven month missions with zero bone loss or bone density loss. So that's really important. Uh, and if we didn't have that workout program, then we would, you know, our bones would be in bad shape when we came back. So we want to prevent that, obviously. Amazing. When you were a child, did you uh, imagine that you'd be an astronaut? Did you have the dream as a child? Yeah, I think every every kid around my generation wanted to be an astronaut because that's uh, when we were little kids, that's when the first men were walking on the moon. Um, and so it was all, you know, vivid images in our memories and uh, everybody just wanted to do something cool like that. I was no different. Uh, I did have the good fortune that my grandparents lived just across the river from the Kennedy Space Center in Florida. And we spent a lot of time down there and uh, my grandfather would drag me out to see anything that was launching. And I'm sure I wasn't super happy about it as a toddler, but uh, whatever, you know, he did definitely inspired me down the road to want to do something in the space program. I remember my grandfather having an impact on me with music. He would always, every time I'd wake up in the morning, he'd have a coffee crew over at the house and he'd say, Lauren, sing for them, sing for them. And <laughs> same kind of feeling like, why are you asking me to sing at 9 a.m.? Um, but it's amazing how our family has an impact on our dreams and the things that we get to be a part of later on in life. I'm sure your grandfather is marveling at your accomplishments. I mean, it is it is profound. And I love that when I asked you, did you have the dream as a child, your face lit up. I mean, your your smile went went from ear to ear. And it's it's really beautiful to see the things that you've been a part of. I mean, sitting on this side, we watch with excitement and anticipation. I was seeing how you became a lieutenant and you studied it at West Point and you served in Operation Desert Storm. And I just want to thank you for those things that you've been a part of to keep us safe and free. And we're super, super appreciative. Thank you, Lauren. It's, a, it's an honor to serve our great nation. And up here, we're not just serving our nation, we're serving all of humanity. So that's even more special when you think of something that grand yeah. and that vast. So uh, I've been a, been a servant my whole career, thank goodness, and I uh, continue to do that. It's an honor to do it. Yeah, I love that. So what do you think about Richard Branson going up to space and Jeff Bezos? I think he went too, right? What, what was that like for you guys? 
Yeah, you know, it's really cool. Honestly, I mean, any any companies like that, the private companies now, or a lot of them are getting involved in the space business, and it's just great. Uh, we really love it, I think, in general, and uh, I certainly do. It was exciting to see. Um, they went up for just a you know a handful of minutes, which you know that's, you got to start somewhere, and that's awesome. And now they'll build on that to uh, create you know whatever their vision is down the road. Um, and maybe one day, you know, NASA and those companies will combine and do some uh, joint missions together. Do you think that the layman like me <laughs> will be traveling to space in the next 25 years, taking those type of flights? I certainly hope so. I think I do think in the next couple of decades, it's going to become more routine. Um, and, you know, I kind of equate it to the airline business, right? So back in the, you know, 50s and 60s, when the airlines were just taken off, it was really just the wealthy that could afford it, right? And now it's, you know, most of us can can catch an airline flight and fly around the world or just fly within your own country. So I think the space business is kind of right at the beginning of that, right? A lot of wealthy people now, millionaires and billionaires are getting a chance to, to go to space for a bit. But I think in the next few decades, that's going to become much more routine. And uh, hopefully the common person will get to experience what we get to experience up here because it is fantastic living and working in microgravity. Wow. Do you think that we'll be able to have a sustainable presence on the moon someday? Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's one of NASA's um, big goals here in the next few decades. Uh, here in the next few years, we're going to go back to the moon. And then from there, we're going to start this sustainable presence, like you mentioned. So maybe within the next decade or 15 years or so, we're going to have a sustainable presence on the moon. That'll be pretty exciting. Wow. I remember sitting in that that rover, the car that they drive on the moon. That was wild, wild, <laughs> moving in so many different directions. It was pretty profound. Can you explain to the listeners kind of what that experience is like? Yeah, of course, I haven't you know, been up there to do it on the moon. I would love to do that, but I think I'm going to have to let my younger colleagues uh, yes. take care of that mission for us. But uh, yeah, the, the rover you're talking about is pretty special. It's a specially designed rover that uh, they, they have at the Johnson Space Center, and it moves in all directions, like you mentioned, and you could be going forward, and all of a sudden you're going sideways and then backwards and kind of randomly. So it's pretty cool. It's a great feeling as, as you got to experience, and uh, maybe that's something like that is what they'll actually use on the moon on the surface this time. Wow. Well, I want to jump back really quick to family. I remember meeting your wife at NASA and her getting to talk to you and, you know, the months that you guys have apart and the distance, literally the distance that you, you guys have apart. What is her support? What does your family's support mean to you while you're up there? Well, it's super important. And, uh, you know, I, I miss everything. I miss, you know, I'm missing events. I'm missing birthdays. I'm missing anniversaries, those kind of things. And and I hate missing those. But uh, we do have incredible connections up here where I can call family and friends pretty much at any time I want. We have video conferences with our family once a week. And so that really helps us stay connected. I have uh, we have three incredible children uh, that are young adults right now. And it's really incredible to watch them mature and grow throughout their school and universities right now. So uh, we're super proud of them. And uh, I just really appreciate, of course, um, their support, allowing me to do this incredible mission, not just for me or for our family, but for, like I mentioned before, for all of humanity. And uh, hopefully we'll, we'll be figuring out things and discovering things up here that are going to benefit everyone back on Earth. Wow. Do you think any of your kids are going to follow your footsteps? 
Uh, we'll see. Uh, I doubt it. <laughs> seems like if, uh, it's something I want to do, they're going to do the opposite, yeah. right? Now, now our son is, he's starting to think about it. I think it's, <laughs> I think, you know, these private companies have kind of made space cool again. So they're definitely interested and, uh, we'll see if one of them ends up trying to do something like this down the road. Oh, I love that so much. I, I know just for me going out on the road and doing things like that, I always dream, okay, if I ever have kids someday, I wonder if they're going to want to be, you know, singing or if this life is going to be repulsive to them. Like, at what point do they join in or have some interest and go for it or kind of step away? You never know. Do you have any words of wisdom for what you're doing in what you're doing? Do you have any words of wisdom for the people back down here on Earth that might be dreaming of going to space someday or dreaming of being an astronaut? And also any words of wisdom that you've seen that have just been a marvel that you would love to share? You know, for young people, I think it's an incredible time to be interested in the space business because like we talked about earlier, it's it's a new era of space travel with all these private companies and private citizens that are starting to fly. Um, there's so much work to be done over the next few decades to get that sustainable presence on the moon and eventually go to Mars with humans, uh, which is going to be incredible. So if that's something you're interested in, I'd say go for it. Um, you got to at least at this point, you got to be studying in the math, science, engineer, technology kind of realm to um, be an astronaut. Now that can change down the road, but that's the current rules. But if that's what you like, we really want you to come work for us and help us out in the space business down the road. Amazing. I'm so grateful. This is blowing my mind. Before I jumped on the phone with you, I was screaming in this office. I was like, we are going to be talking to Shane Outer Space. Like, What a marvel. Shane, thank you for your time. We are so, so grateful, and we wish you the best and a a very safe landing, and y'all come to a show if you get any any time. Oh, thanks. I hope we can do that, Lauren. Hey, if you got a few minutes, our crew would love for you to sing to us, so let us know. Oh, yeah. You want me to sing something right now? Sure. Go for it. I will absolutely do that. I will tremble at no other name. My heart surrendered to no other rain. I will bow at no other throne and rest my heart at no other home. Let these hands have no other crown. Let these knees fall on no other ground. Draw these eyes from the gold that won't shine. You turn this life from water to wine and I tremble. I tremble, Lord, in your presence, in your presence. Oh, I tremble, I tremble, Lord, in your presence, in your presence. Yeah, yes, and I will always live in wonder of. The fact that I awake your jealous love, eternity will almost be enough. Eternity will almost be enough. Oh, I will always live in wonder of the fact that I awake your jealous love. Eternity will almost be enough. Eternity will almost be enough, Lord, I tremble. I tremble, oh Lord, 
in your presence in your presence yeah 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 absolutely amazing oh, yeah the crew had to come see you that was incredible <laughs> lauren thank you oh you guys what a thrill thanks lauren have an awesome day thank you guys so much thank you yeah <laughs> station this is houston acr that concludes the event thank you thank you to all participants from Dagobytes podcast station we are now resuming operational audio communications Coming up on this season of Dago Bites, best-selling author and top podcaster, Annie Downs. I mean, the real thing that keeps being true about God is nothing is accidental. The one and only Kristen Griffith Vanderyat from Netflix's Big Flower Fight. And then it helps you recognize that your voice is unique. No one else can do what you do. And many more friends. Season two of Dago Bites is available exclusively on Amazon Music. Dago Bites is an Amazon Music podcast hosted by me, Lauren Daigle, and produced by Elizabeth Evans Media Productions. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Daigle Bites ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com survey. Nancy's love story could have been ripped right out of the pages of one of her own novels. She was a romance mystery writer who happens to be married to a chef. But this story didn't end with a happily ever after. When I stepped into the kitchen, I could see that Chef Brophy was on the ground, and I heard somebody say, call 911. As writers, we'd written our share of murder mysteries. So when suspicion turned to Dan's wife, Nancy, we weren't that surprised. The first person they look at would be the spouse. We understand that's usually the way they do it. But we began to wonder, had Nancy gotten so wrapped up in her own novels... There are murders in all of the books. ...that she was playing them out in real life? You can listen to Happily Never After, Dan and Nancy, early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts.